Welcome to The Carol Connection. I'm your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I want to take a chance to shout out my last episode recorded was episode 149, titled Originality, with my one of my favorite people, Wally, host of The Ever-Changing Vibe. And we kind of just talked about how do you form original thoughts, is it possible to form original thoughts, and just kind of talk about being like original in general and authentic. And it was just a nice little pre-recorded episode that I did when I went on his show, and I think it was episode 117, if I can remember correctly, that I was on his show and we talked a little bit and recorded that. But if you want to check that episode out, go to thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. If you'd like to watch our podcast, go to YouTube, search The Carol Connection, or at Jared M. Carol, and it should pop up right for you. And if you want to be a guest or return as a guest, hit me up on Instagram at Jared M. Carol or at The Carol Connection, and we'll set that up. So for today... Uh, this is a really kind of special episode. It's episode 150, so it's a great milestone for, for me to hit. And I'm just really excited to bring you guys another great guest. Paul, welcome to the podcast. It's Thanks for having me. Kofi, right? Kofi, Kofi, yeah. Paul, Kofi. So um, how I like to start off the podcast is talk a little bit about uh, who you are and what you're doing currently. So I'll let you kind of go into that. Just a little short synopsis, basically. Yeah, definitely. So um, I work full-time as a data warehouse developer for an insurance company. Um, my big passion is creating content, specifically YouTube content, long form content. Um, I powerlift. I used to be a bodybuilder, um, but right now I'm getting ready for a powerlifting meet in February. So just have all that stuff going on and, um, yeah, just trying to accomplish everything that I want. Perfect. And we're going to dive into, um, a lot of the content making and kind of training and why you do that as we progress in the podcast. Definitely. But as I like to start my podcast, I like to talk about kind of family dynamic. And for any new listeners, I like to explain why kind of, and basically like we're talking about your life story here. Okay. So I kind of like think of, I always say this analogy, so I apologize to the people that listen uh, somewhat regularly, is the fact of when you're talking about um, building a house, you want a great foundation. So I talk about your life story. So your, your family dynamic and your upbringing, basically the foundation of who you are as a person when you start out. So I like to start with that and kind of build upon that. So whatever you're comfortable with sharing, I'll let you take the floor with that. Yeah, for sure. So I was actually born in West Africa, uh, the Ivory Coast specifically. I always say West Africa because most people don't know the countries of West Africa. But um, I was born there, uh, moved here in 2002 via the visa lottery. So this was like post 9-11. Wasn't easy to get in this country. Um, but we got the visa lottery, super lucky, and I moved to Providence, grew up in Central Falls, live in Pawtucket now. Um, but so I come from a family of immigrants, and uh, for the most part, I was raised by a single mom. My dad and I, our relationship wasn't the best growing up, but it, it's something that we're actually working on now, today. But we'll get to, We can get to that later. But I um, grew up in Rhode Island my whole life, um, went to Bishop Hendrick High School in Warwick, uh, went to Rhode Island College after that. Um, after Rhode Island College, I graduated, got my bachelor's, um, started working at Amica Insurance Company. I don't know if you heard of Amica. Yeah, yeah, have, they, yeah. They have the owning rights, the naming rights to the dunk now. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's kind of like a quick short. Um, but I have two siblings. I have a little brother. He's 11. Sister, she's eight, 18. She's also going to Rick. Um, but where I really started becoming passionate about content was in high school. 
So at that point, I didn't really do anything. I didn't have anything going on. Uh, middle school, I tried to play basketball a little bit. was not good. As you can see, I'm short. Basketball was not for me. <laughs> I can relate, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah basketball is not for me. My middle school didn't have a lot of funding, so we didn't have a lot of other sports, literally only basketball. So I only did it just because all the other kids were doing it, and I didn't want to just be left out. But I had a lot of family responsibilities, especially with like taking care of my siblings. So I couldn't make it to every practice. I couldn't make it to every game. Uh, and I was really hard on myself about that because, obviously, I, I want to play. I want to do what my friends are doing. Um, but at the time, I don't really understand that I'm dealing with stuff that not a lot of kids normally deal with. I have responsibility that I shouldn't really have. But because it's so normal for me, I'm not really thinking about it like that. So I did try my best. Um, but extracurriculars were really hard. Then I get to high school. And it's a different breed when you get to high school. You're seeing kids who are like significantly more physically developed than you, way more athletic. And it kind of lit a fire into me a little bit because um, I am naturally competitive. Um, do you know Quiddy Pay? Yeah, yeah. For, he is, he's on the Colts right now, right? Because he, he went to Michigan and got drafted. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. First day of freshman year, like I see him walking down the hall. I swear I thought he was a senior. So that's like the caliber of like athlete I went to high school with. So I was trying to kind of find myself a little bit. I, I like, what did I like? What was I passionate about? So one thing I knew I really liked was filmmaking, movies, like TV, television, kind of breaking that down. Um, so Hendrickson had what's called Arts Academy. So you can sign up for that. It was like choir, um, media arts, visual arts, and then one more that I can't think of. But what you would do instead of having homeroom is you would do one of those things. So for us, it was like filmmaking. For like the first hour, we'd get to school early. We'd like get started on next project. And for the whole year, we would have like a year-long project that we work on. So that's where I met one of my really good friends, Steve Patron. He's actually a full-time editor now. And he's going to start helping me with my YouTube. But like first day, we just looked at each other. Didn't even know each other. We just looked at each other. Our, our uh, teacher was like pick partners. We just It just kind of happened. And from then on, we, just, we were just partners all four years. And we started building upon that group. Um, but we really started bonding over our passion for like film and movies. And we started writing scripts learning how to write, figuring out what we're good at. You know, like I'm a decent actor, but I'm a significantly better writer. And that's one of my biggest passions that I learned, not just in media arts, but in high school as well. So that was the first passion. I did track and field freshman year. So I was a thrower, not a runner. Running was not for me. I know you like running. But <laughs> it just, I just don't, it never clicked. Like I get shin splints really bad. The endurance is rough. Running is not something that I really got into. But um, I, I was a thrower through the shot put. And the hammer for one year. Kept doing the hammer. Sophomore year, I took a ha I took a shot put to the ribs. Oh. So like have you have you seen the shot yeah, put? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to go fish a shot put out of the sector and this kid he didn't see me. So he throws it, gets me in the ribs, had a rib contusion. Uh Fuck. like we make the joke that like that ended my career. That's like the joke. But it was uh it was kind of painful. I went to the ER for that. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it hurt. But um I played football sophomore year. That was tough only because Hendrickson is... It's a big school. It's a lot a of people school, play. Big football school. When I went there, we had just won seven straight. So it was highly competitive. Mm -hmm. So like a lot... Of, again, I had these family dynamic where I got responsibilities in the household. Like a lot of responsibilities in the household. So I don't have the time to like go to football practice for four hours. I don't have the time to 
like really maximize my potential in football. And really the potential wasn't like that great, but my family home, like the home environment was not conducive to me succeeding in football. I needed to put in way more time and effort than I actually could. So it was kind of the same thing in middle school. I wasn't going to practices. There was like one day, actually, um, one of the coaches came up to me. He's like, hey, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, hey, I, I play on the team. And another coach came up to me and was like, hey. And he, he was actually really nice about it. He was like, you know, it's not a good thing that some of the coaches don't know you here. And he's like, they, they should know you. And he's like, why don't you come to practice? And I was like, well, you know, I have a lot of family responsibilities. And he was like, you know, that's okay. You're like, you don't have to. You, you, you have to focus on your family. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, okay, like this isn't necessarily, I'm not wrong for not being able to come to practice all the time or not being able to devote myself to this. Cause it's what I want to do as a kid, as a teenager, it's what I want to do, but it helped me kind of like put things in perspective a little bit as to what I like the priority needs to be. So I stopped playing football cause my grades, like I couldn't maintain like the classwork and then playing sports. Cause it's like, you go, I go to class, I get there like seven thirty AM classes ended at like four football practices, three hours. Then I got to take the Ripta back to Kennedy Plaza, Kennedy Plaza home. I'm home at 9 PM. Like at that point I got to babysit. My mom was also getting her master's at the time. So it was a lot of stuff going on. So I, I realized at that point, like I need to focus all my time and energy on academia. Like I have to get my, like, graduate into college that is going to be my best path to success so i stopped playing football i was very comfortable with that with that decision i was happy with that um stopped doing track and field my last year was like junior year um didn't play senior year like i wanted to focus strictly on getting into college so at that point i remember my mom asking me like what do you want to do and that's such a such a vague question and i remember uh, one of my neighbors told me, actually, an older guy, he was like, one of the hardest things you can ever figure out in life is what you want to do. And I, I was 14, so I didn't, it didn't really, like, register with me. So now at 17, 18, it's hitting me hard. I'm like, well, shit, what do I, what do I want to do? Like, I got I to gotta figure it out now. Um, but really, looking back, I didn't have to figure it out. But I had a decent enough idea. And I realized after my second job that one thing that I really want to do, one thing I always want to do is work for myself. Like, that's something that I felt at the time would make me happy. And I wanted to be actively working on things that I was passionate about. So I figured, okay, how do I do that? At that point, I had been working out. I've been going to the gym. Um, sophomore year, I got really overweight. My uncle, former Marine, personal trainer, was at LA Fitness. And I remember he was like, hey, he tells my mom, he calls me Yvonne, because my middle name is Yvonne. My family calls me that. Like, Yvonne got really out of shape. Tell him to come train with me. And at the time, it was perfect timing because I was looking to get into the gym. No clue what I was doing. I was just going to go to Planet Fitness and, like, get a membership and just start bullshitting. But he was like, come train with me. Like, we'll, we'll get you in shape. So I went with him. I got in the gym. First day, never left. Literally never left. And he didn't train me the way you're supposed to train, like, a proper client. He didn't do any of that. Like, what they teach you in the textbook, he did not do. He put me under 135 bench press he's like let's see how much you can do <laughs> so <laughs> that like that day at the end of the day i'm like oh you know i don't feel too bad like i, I hadn't been working at all. <laughs> oh, this, yeah. this isn't terrible this isn't as bad as i thought so at the time i was actually working at a restaurant 
and I was a dishwasher. This was like week two, week three. I went to sleep after that first workout. I woke up and I couldn't move. <laughs> it's like getting hit by a bus. I was terrified because like I couldn't move my limbs physically. Like I couldn't move. I was like, oh shit, like what did I do? But I kept coming back. Like what about I, that second day? That second, second day, day, it was just as bad. It, I always next, think the second day is worse for some oh reason. Oh my God, it was just as bad. Like the next two weeks, it was like a, a level of soreness I've never felt. It was like almost painful, um, but I kept coming back because I knew going in, it was going to be hard. Like I knew going in, it was going to be extremely challenging. It was going to be painful. I wasn't going to like it, but I wanted to get in shape so bad. And I didn't even want to look good. Like that wasn't even my initial goal. I didn't want to walk up a flight of stairs, like huffing and puffing. That was literally it. I woke up feeling like shit every morning. And I was like, I don't want to feel like shit anymore. I'm just like tired of this. I want to be healthy. And in the process of like chasing that health, I started to realize that like I have a decent physique. Like my physique started to develop a little more. I started to get stronger. That's when I actually started to see the potential. Um, and I remember like my uncle would tell me, you're going to compete one day. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not going to do that. It's like, no, you're going to compete. I can see it. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it because at the time training was my priority and I hadn't really like dialed in with the dieting part. I didn't care about eating clean. I still saw the results, but I didn't like, I wasn't at that level yet. So at that point, you know, I discovered fitness as a passion and media arts was my passion, but I wasn't like doing content at all. I didn't know how to like merge the two. And I just traditional Instagram fitness content was just not for me. I was too self-conscious for that. So I, I kind of stayed away from all that. And honestly, I've never really had like the best relationship with social media in general. I take these really long breaks from social media. That's just how I am. You know what I mean? Like some people, the first thing they do when they wake up is like open up Instagram. Just like that. That's not really for me. And, and let me rephrase, not social media because I'm on YouTube all the time, but everything else I'm not super consistent with. Um, so at that point, you know, I'm training, I'm going to college, training, balancing my schoolwork. Um, in terms of figuring out what I wanted to do, I had a couple options at that point. I'm like, all right, I can go to school and I can do something in media. I can do something in kinesiology because I love fitness. But I was also interested in IT at the time, things within the tech realm. It's like I can go to school for that. So at that point, I'm kind of doing my research and I really wanted to go to Bryant University because I like believed in like the lie that where you go to school is going to have this dramatic impact on what you do. So I'm like, I got to go to a prestigious university because if I don't, um, I'm not going to get a good job and all this other stuff. It, bullshit, crack shit. But my mom was like, well, look at like what you're going to be making out of college. Look at what they're offering you for financial aid. Look at what you're going to be making out of college uh, look at how much you're going to need to pay and then think about what you're not going to be able to do. I was like, oh, okay. So we sat down, we looked at the finances and I'm like, if I go to Bryant and I, I major in kinesiology or I major in uh, something in the media, an entry level salary is this, there's a lot that I'm not going to be able to do if, I'm, if I have this debt. So for me, it was more so I, my biggest priority was financial stability right out of college. Like that's what I wanted because I'm like, well, I can find success in the fitness industry without majoring in kinesiology. I can find success in media without getting a degree in media. I can be, I can learn, I can teach myself how to edit. I can build a media brand if I wanted to without a degree. Like I've seen people do it, but you can't succeed in IT and data. Let me rephrase. It's hard to succeed in IT and data right out of college with no degree. And 
the entry level salaries just did not match up. I would be, I, I knew that I would have been in a much better position financially if I went into something IT related and it was consistent with my skills. And I thought with IT, where you go to school doesn't really matter. It's so in demand that as long as you have the degree, you have the work ethic, you interview well, you will find a job. And I decided I was going to go with IT. And I was going to go to Rick. I was going to go as a commuter student. So I was going to be paying significantly less. And I was going to work hard enough to be able to get some federally funded scholarships to reduce the cost of tuition. So at that point, I'm like, let me bet on myself. And let's see in four years if I can actually put myself in a decent you know, position financially. So went with IT, the more lucrative field, went to Rick, the cheapest school. Like if I work hard enough, I will get a good job in a good company. Uh, my goal was to get a job before I graduated. So I kind of like set my mind to that. So I started filling out um, financial aid forms. And my first year, they didn't really give me anything. So I took out a loan. My second year, I got um, a federally funded scholarship. I got like two grants and a scholarship that Rick was giving me. In total, it, it amounted to the cost of tuition for the year. So I didn't have to pay that. Same thing junior year. Um, at that point, I'm stacking my money up um, and I have the money aside where I can actually start paying for books and start paying down that loan that I had freshman year. It, it took a lot of pressure off of me. And at that point, I'm working as a trainer. I'm building my skills as a trainer. And that's where I meet Aries. So Aries is going to come in later in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love being a personal trainer. I absolutely loved it. Like being able to see my clients slowly reach their goals, it was so incredibly rewarding. Um, I had a client that I would train at 5 in the morning. I'm not going to lie. I did not like waking up at 4.45. I hated it. But after I trained that client, I'd feel so gratified. So it, it kind of like balanced it out. It made up for the fact that I was waking up so early. But personal training taught me a lot of things. It challenged me in a serious way because I was used to training myself. Like I knew how I would work out. But then you have a client who has a completely different body than you, different needs, different goals. So how do I tailor a training program to that person and not myself? So that's where I had to really challenge myself. And I remember the day before I started training people, I called my uncle. I was like, hey, I'm like nervous. I have no idea what to do. And he was like, yeah, you do. Like, you know what to do. Like, I know you have the knowledge. You just need to figure out how to apply it. So take a step back, go back to the basics, have confidence in yourself, because that's something that I really struggled with, and like start assessing from the ground up do an assessment, figure out what the client needs, and then build your program from there. So that's that's how I started. And I remember I, I could have had a job at my uncle's gym, but I felt like that would have been too easy because I knew everybody there. I wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew me, where I can network with different people and kind of challenge myself a little bit. So I applied at Max Fitness in Lincoln. And Lincoln is like, eh, I work there now, actually. It's a small town, you know, not a lot of people there, but it was a different environment for me. And they actually reached out to me after I submitted my application. And I remember really wanting to be in an environment where I could learn. I knew I didn't know everything, so I needed to be in an environment where somebody can teach me and I can, I can grow as a trainer. And I remember during the initial interview, the vice president of training was like, he kept talking about Aries. He's like, Aries, Aries, Aries. We have this amazing fitness manager. He's awesome. He's super knowledgeable. You're going to love working with him. He didn't talk about the gym. He didn't talk about members. He talked about Aries the whole time. So I'm like, you know what? 
this is perfect because if if this Aries is as great of a trainer as you say he is, I'll be able to learn so much from him. Uh, at that point, I, like I won't care what the environment is. I'll be able to learn. So I get there, and I remember uh, Aries wasn't there the first two weeks. He's like broke his ankle. So when I finally met him, um, he res- he gave me respect immediately, just like mutually as a person. He didn't assume, because I was 19, actually. He didn't assume because I was young. I didn't know anything. He wanted to assess what I knew. He didn't, um, it just, you know when you click with somebody? Yeah. And it just kind of clicks? That's kind of how it was. It's kind of how it was. And he gave me the opportunity to prove myself, whereas not everybody would do that. He didn't have any kind of biases. He didn't assume anything about me. He, he understood, hey, this is a kid who's, who's trying to learn. I'm going to put him in an environment where I can teach him and any mistakes he makes, I'll correct it and he'll get better. So I remember he gave me my first client and he was like, don't tell him that you're new. And I was like, Oh, cause I was, he knew I was nervous. I was so nervous. He's like, don't tell him you're new. Just train him, have the confidence to know what you're doing and just train him. And from the first session to like my last session as a personal trainer, I just got better and better over time as my confidence grew. And that's one thing he helped, he helped me uh, learn confidence uh, this was also around the same time that I got into bodybuilding. So at this point, you know, I've built a decent physique. I, I've been training for probably four years. Um, I haven't really dieted to any extensive degree at all. It was something that I always struggled with. Um, but I've been passionate about bodybuilding. Never thought I could ever be a bodybuilder or bodybuild at all. Never. Didn't even have the, never even crossed my mind. Um, and a lot of people told me, hey, I think you can compete. And in my head, they're like, to me, they were just stroking my ego. But then Aries said it. Aries was like, I think you can bodybuild. Now, the reason why this was more significant for me is because he's a very no-nonsense type of guy. He'll never, like, he will never blow smoke up anybody's ass. He'll just say it like it is. And for him to have been working with me, you know, he's seen my physique. We had worked out together a couple times. He's a registered dietitian. He's trained people before. For him to have that knowledge and and be a, a very blunt person, and still say, hey, I think you can compete, it made me believe. So that was the first time I had ever really believed that I could do it. And at that point, I was super stagnant in my fitness journey. Like I was, I was going to the gym and I didn't, I, like I didn't have a goal anymore. I didn't know what I was doing. I was going to move weight, but I, I didn't have a set goal in mind. I wasn't working towards anything at all. So the gym became boring for me. And I said to myself, all right, if he thinks I can compete, maybe I should really take it into account. I should take it seriously. So I did a little more research and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I will compete. I'll do a bodybuilding show because I felt like if there was anything that would make, that would force me to have to diet properly, it would be getting on a bodybuilding stage, half naked, but thousands, not thousands, but a lot of people having to showcase your physique. That, that was something that I knew would be a little bit uncomfortable for me, but I, it's an environment that I felt like, I would need to be in to prove something to myself because I didn't think I could do it. So I'm like, well, worst case scenario, I go up there. I hate it. I never do it again. But I want this to be a process that's going to teach me how to properly diet at the, at the highest level. So immediately got on a meal plan the week after, started prepping for a competition in October. And probably, I want to say in July, my physique is starting to come along really well. And I went to go see a posing coach. And the posing coach was like, hey, I think you could compete relatively soon. 
maybe you're not going to place that well, but I think you could be ready to be on a bodybuilding stage, experience that, and then go from there. He's like, why compete in the big show in October? Because I was competing in a pretty big show. Just do a smaller show beforehand, get your toes wet, see how it is, and then in October, you'll be good. So I brought it up to Aries. Aries was like, yeah, let's do it. And the show was in West Springfield, Massachusetts. It was called the Patriot Cup. And I was like, I was 20. I, I was 20 at the time. Didn't know what I was doing. I'd practiced my posing a little bit. But I just went in there for the experience. And it was amazing, to be honest with you. A little bit intimidating at first. But when I stepped on stage for the first time, and those, like, those lights hit you, you see the judges, I was like a deer in headlights. I was terrified. Uh, but the more I started posing, the more excited I got. And by the time I got off stage, I was like, wow, like that was amazing. That was great. Like I was excited to be up there. I was excited to be showcasing all the hard work I was putting in. So that experience went really well. And then I started, I had to cut some more weight for my show in October. Um, at that point, I'm still in college. I'm probably like a sophomore and it's getting tough now because now the semester's starting and being on prep <laughs> while you're in school sucked. It was terrible. I got to go to classes exhausted. Like I'd, I'd have 8 a.m.s and I didn't want to get up. So I would have to train. I would have to do like cardio for an hour. I'd have time for it because I, ha- I have 8 a.m.s after I have 8 a.m.s all the way up until probably 3 p.m. Then I have to go train people till like 7. Then I have to train myself right after. So it was, it was, a, it was a grind. I had to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, do my cardio train beforehand, because I was doing two sessions a day, actually. Train before, go to class. So it was it was a tough time, but it was something I needed to go through to kind of prove something to myself that, hey, you can do it. And I was extremely motivated. That's ultimately, like, what it comes down to. I did it because I really wanted to. And I got to that show. I took second place at that show. Um, that was a big deal for me. Like, that was, like, the crowning moment for me. Like, wow. I had achieved the best physique of my entire life, something I never thought I could do. Um, I put the work in. I got there. And I lost to a guy who eventually turned pro. So that to me yeah, was I like, mean, yeah. that's awesome. That's great. Then <laughs> comes the post-show. Now, everybody tells you that like competing for a show is great. And it is. It's awesome. Um, the, the grind up to the goal is fantastic. But nobody tells you how hard it is afterwards in every way, like mentally, emotionally. It's tough because now you have like, I have nothing to work towards now. Like, what am I working towards? I hit the goal. The, the show was Saturday. Sunday comes around. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, my, my entire life revolved around bodybuilding. My whole schedule was around bodybuilding. Now it's like, damn, I, I like, what, am, what do I do? Who am I? <laughs> and that's where like social media kind of plays a factor too, because I was posting all my content heading into the show. I was feeling super confident. Now show is Saturday by Tuesday. I'm not in shape anymore. Like I don't look like I did on show day, right? Like the hype has kind of died down a little bit. And now I have to go back to who, who am I outside of bodybuilding? Yeah. I think what I want to jump in is like the fact mm-hmm. of like, the way you've approached your life is in such a methodical way that's really thoughtful. And I don't think a lot of people take the time to like really think about what they want to do and why they're doing stuff and to do it at an age, like going into like obviously middle school and high school to like really think about 
like your family and stuff like that. Obviously, it sounds like you had to grow up a little bit faster than a lot of people too in those situations. But like, I think it's to your benefit to the fact of when you got to like football and stuff to like make the decision, like I need to focus on school and like my family. And like, I think that was definitely the best decision because it obviously led you towards more success and then getting into kind of fitness and like working with social media, even in high school and kind of like content and like, like obviously wouldn't refer to it as content then, but like, like just like film and writing and like, like all this stuff builds on top of each other. And when I've talked to different people on the podcast, a lot of the stuff we talk about is like, when you do one thing, it's okay to pivot, but like you could take that stuff that you learn and apply it to the new thing and whatever doesn't, just store it in the bank and keep moving. But for yourself, you've been able to kind of constantly take things and apply it to uh, your future passion. And like, they all build on top of each other. And obviously what we're going to get into now is kind of like the content stuff. And I'm like really interested in like how this kind of all stacks together. So I'll let you kind of tell the story about how getting into the the content and like obviously post the post show and how this content really starts to kind of take over. Definitely. So um, I mentioned earlier that I had a very interesting relationship with social media. And after that show in October, I just stopped posting. I didn't post anything. I didn't want to. Because like now I don't look good anymore. I don't look like you're supposed to look for social media. So what am I going to post at the same time? Like I didn't know who I was creatively as a creator I wasn't even thinking about that like I wasn't I felt like creatively I wasn't mature enough to even be able to transition into something else so in college I knew like I wanted to build a brand I didn't know what it was I didn't know what I was going to do I knew that I wanted to merge writing and media and fitness and I wanted to like mix it all together I just didn't know what the formula was so at this point you know I graduate from college um I start interning at an insurance company I want to say nine months before I graduated, they hired me and they gave me the official offer in November. I start working for them full time. And I remember in April, I was like, oh, fuck. I like I drove into the parking lot and I just parked there and I just had like an existential crisis. I'm like, is this like this is it? Is this my life? Like, is this is this really is this it? You know what I mean? So that's when I realized, like, I need to figure out how I'm going to start building my passions. At the time, I was in a relationship, and that's where a lot of my time and energy was going into. So I wasn't really even thinking about YouTube at the time. Um, But then, you know, the relationship didn't work out. And at that point, I had another, like, existential crisis where I'm like, well, all this time and energy I was putting into this, what do I do with it now? What do I do? And it it was a relationship where I was very committed. I saw something... It didn't happen. Now it's like, well, what do I have to envision for myself now? Right? It's just me by myself. What do I want to do? Like if 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 I if I didn't have to work, if I had it my way, what do I want to do? Like how do I set myself up moving forward? How do I tap into my passions? So that's when um I started thinking about YouTube. I was like, you know what? I want to start like getting back into posting content. I wanna start my YouTube channel finally. Um, but when you think about the the end goal. And then you have to think about everything you have to do to get there. It gets super overwhelming because you're like, I have to do, oh my God, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then you're, you're comparing yourself constantly to other people who are doing it. And you're like, I'll never get there. So I had that mentality. And I had to remember, I had to remind myself, you know what, like everybody starts somewhere. And one of my buddies, I was telling him, you know, I want to, I want to start this YouTube channel. And he goes, just do it. 
Like instead of talking to me about it, do it. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's that's like that's like a good mindset. Um, because you're not gonna get better if you don't actually start making the mistakes. You get so caught up in like wondering, oh, is my content gonna be good enough? Is it gonna be that? I had to stop worrying about that and focus more on just starting and just seeing where it goes, right? Because at that point, like, I don't have a channel if I don't have a name, if I don't have a logo, if I don't have a banner. So I had to start with those really small things. I call them like micro steps, take the little steps. I had to start with those little things. So I went on Fiverr. I hired somebody to do a logo. I finally found one, put it on there. So at this point, I've got kind of the foundation set up. And I could go on my channel and I see something. It's not just a blank canvas. I see something. You know, I see the logo. I see the banner. Now I have a channel. Now it's time to start posting videos. How do I do that? Well, I need a microphone. I need, I need a camera. I need this. I need that. All right. So I started investing with whatever I could afford. And I'm like, how do I make content that I like making um, but that people will like to watch? That was the hardest part for me on on youtube specifically um same thing with instagram I, it, I had to watch a bunch of reels to see okay what's doing really well but then how do i take what's doing really well and apply it to something that i like to make so i'll touch on youtube first because they both kind of go hand in hand i was doing both at the same time but um i at that point i had taken a break from bodybuilding for a couple of years this is early 2022 I got my camera, I got my channel, everything, but nothing's really like taking off yet. And I, I was working my first video, also prepping for a bodybuilding show, documenting that prep, posting that to Instagram. I was really starting to get back into consistently posting on Instagram. Um, so really, it was just my prep for bodybuilding. And then YouTube, I was focusing on documentary style content. So documentaries are something I've always loved making. And I was like, I want my first video to be a documentary. So I picked Sean Ray. He's a golden era, body, golden era bodybuilder, my favorite bodybuilder of all time. And I made a video on him. And once I had that first video out, once it was done in all my channel, I'm like, all right, I'm officially a YouTuber. Now it's time to like grow this thing. So I remember taking a screenshot of my channel and it was like no subscribers. I was like, all right, I'm gonna take a screenshot of this. I'm gonna keep it. Um, Cause at that point, I'm like, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna do the best I can with this. I'm gonna make this grow. Like, I didn't have the confidence then. I, I was a little more mature in my mindset in getting a better understanding of how content works. I was like, really, if I just stay consistent and focus on quality, this should grow. And I remember there was a comment on my first YouTube video, and it wasn't even really that mean. It was a guy who was like, hey, you know, this is a 45-minute documentary on a bodybuilder. Most people aren't going to want to watch this. And, you know, conventional wisdom would say he's right. Bodybuilding is a super niche topic. Four to five minutes is really long. But in my, my mind, I'm like, eh, well, nobody's really doing this. And if I do it really well, it's going to grow. So my first year on YouTube was me figuring out who I was as a content creator. What type of content do I like making that people like watching? I would do like, try, try to do what some of the other guys were doing. Um, in terms of like, you know, reporting the news or doing physique analysis where they look at dudes' physiques and like, this is great, this is that. It wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. Like I, I would look, I'm like, these guys are doing really well and just succeed, succeeding at it, but this just doesn't feel right. Like I'm, I don't enjoy doing this. It's not fun. I, I like watching them do it because they're really good at it, but I realized it wasn't for me. So at this point, I'm like, all right, 
this type of content is not for me. Let me keep making content and just see what finally clicks. What piece of content can I make that I enjoy the process from start to finish? And it also does well. And it, it you know, it's consistent with my brand identity. Um, at this point, I'm getting closer getting monetized. So for YouTube, you needed a thousand subscribers and then 400 or 4,000 watch hours. Um, but then shorts started really popping. So I was like, okay, I'm going to test a theory because I was getting really close to getting monetized. I'm like, I'm going to just only post YouTube shorts because I get so much traffic. And I'm going to see if that translates to my long form content. And it did. It actually worked. So that got me monetized. And then I made my first viral piece of content that's still like getting likes to this day. So it was, um, you know, Chris Bumstead, I'm sure you've heard of Yeah, him. yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, so at the 20, I want to say it was a 2020 Olympia or 2021 Olympia, he had this really funny interaction with um, one of his rivals, Brian Ainsley. And nobody had like made some type of really funny comedic short out of it, which which is, it's a really popular thing for people to like take clips from, you know, you know, TikTok, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I understand no, Nobody had done it. So I'm like, well, this is a really funny interaction that nobody's really like chopped up to make, to caption or... To like post it on a short form content. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. Like th- in my head, I'm like, this should do really well. I should get like 5,000 views off of this. Like this is, you know, like this is a really funny interaction in bodybuilding. Nobody's, it's not out there. This is going to be a unique piece of content. It should do well. And probably day three, it's at like 100K views. To this day, it's sitting at like 12 million. So like that was for me like, oh shit. Like, wow. Okay. This is kind of a formula that works for me. So I started posting similar stuff and my channel was kind of blowing up. It was doing really well. I was, I was in the thousands for subscribers at this point. Um, but it wasn't content that like I love to make. And also it wasn't content that was cultivating an audience of people who really wanted to come back and watch. Because I would look at the stats, and most of my subscribers were from shorts. A lot of them didn't come back and watch the shorts because shorts were so saturated. They're scrolling, going to the next thing. They have to physically come find me to see it. So they see the stuff that, I, that they like, but to really make that connection with somebody, it's hard when they can't hear your voice, they can't see you, they don't have that connection with you. So at this point, I'm still trying to figure out the formula. I'm like, right, what's the formula? What's the formula that works for me? And that's when I started getting into like documentaries, more documentaries, and I started making them shorter and I have a full-time job. So I'm like struggling with finding the time to edit and all that stuff, but it's a, I'm a year in and I took, I did like an analysis of what have I done good? What have I done poorly? Um, and I did a documentary where it wasn't as good as I could have made it. The editing process was very tedious because I didn't do enough research. I didn't. Fine. I didn't put all my sources in one place. I didn't make the process easy for me. So I'm like, all right, let me just take a break. Let me refocus and just kind of figure out how do I get this thing to grow? All right. Let me make a documentary on a really popular uh, subject. So I said, all right, Chris Bumstead, right? My last viral piece of content involved him. Let me make a documentary on him. He just won his fourth Olympia. And I approached the process completely differently. I like every source I would find, I would timestamp any quotes that I would find. I had a like five pages of just notes and this is a, a different way of approaching the research process for a documentary. I'm just not, I'm not just going into it blind. I'm like, I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to see if I can take this production quality to a different level. So that documentary ended up doing really, really well. It took me a little longer to edit. 
And at this point, I'm like, doing analysis on other documentary channels and just what people want to watch. And I noticed people like really long form content now. I feel like TikTok has kind of like turned people off to really short form content. So they watch the extra long form stuff just so they can satisfy that need to just sit down and watch something for a long period of time. So like, all right, well, long form content isn't really dying anymore. There was a guy, there's a guy named Quinton Reviews. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, He did an eight hour YouTube video breaking down like the whole iCarly series and it went viral. Oh, shit. So I'm like, all right, well, people still have an interest in watching really long, long form content. Bumstead is a mega star in bodybuilding and fitness overall. If I can really nail this, this should help my channel get a lot more views. So I do that documentary. It was 58 minutes. And for the first week, it didn't get any traction. Then boom, it just starts to take off. And uh, one of the comments I got was like, hey, once more Bumpstead fans see this, this is going to blow up. And it blew up. It was my first like long form video that got over 100K views. It's like still growing to this day. And that was when I was like, okay, this is it. This is my formula. Like this is the process for me to make a really great piece of content. And I built off that, started making more videos, just started getting better and better without even, you know, you don't even realize you're getting better. And I recently made my most recent documentary, two hours and 30 minutes. And that's also at like 360,000 right now. So I feel like I've kind of like nailed the formula um, of what, what's going to work for me. Because as you know, in content, you know, you got to be the first to do something if you're really going to blow up or really grow your brand. Um, It's like, it's every niche is so oversaturated. Try to find like your own lane within a niche. So nobody in bodybuilding is doing documentaries. Like literally nobody. I'm the only person on YouTube that's doing it. So naturally I can't be the only person that loves bodybuilding, but also loves documentaries. I knew there had to be other people out there who, who were similar and sure enough, like now I'm starting to slowly build that base of people similar to me who like fitness content and like see documentaries on some of their favorite figures. So I'm finally at a point in my YouTube career where I'm like super confident in where it's going. Um, so I'm no longer struggling to figure out what I want to do. Now it's okay. How do I grow this thing more efficiently? Yeah. I think the way you've approached it too. And like you even said it too, is the quality of what you're making is so important and right. like, accepting like what you want to do and like doing that because mm-hmm. like, it's so easy to get wrapped up into social media and just make the content that's popular mm-hmm. and do the style that's popular and you even kind of use the formula too of like doing the shorts like sometimes you have to like i did a whole episode on episode what things 148 about how content is and everything and i was telling you a little bit about that and just like my ride with content and to kind of grow and even to what you said to doing something new, but also, or finding that niche, but also it's creating a lot of content, getting it out there, the quantity. And with a certain point, you do suffer on your quality because you're not really doing what you want to do all the time, unless you really want to do like shorts and make quick stuff. And it's like, that's never going to keep a lot of people and they're only going to be there for the short stuff. And you ultimately want to kind of grow like your channel in you as like the brand basically. Cause obviously it's you creating these documentaries it's you talking about them. And once you get out there and like you said, I would agree that long form content does, does work and it is there and it's just consistently doing it and trying different things and figuring out what you enjoy and what works for you and how much time you want to dedicate it to, towards it and accepting like 
what we talked about this entire podcast is building on top of each other with things and not jumping. And you talked about this from like zero to 100 micro steps, like you said, and building slowly and the grind and like not enough people are willing to accept that. Like you also have to admit too, like a lot of people don't get famous, no. but you have to be at peace with that, but also figure out what you enjoy because if you're doing what you like, the chances of you actually becoming quote unquote famous or viral go way up because people are going to see you're being authentic. You're really enjoying what you're talking about. And once you're, once they see that they can connect with you. And if you're talking about something that they want to hear, they're going to relate to you and they're going to come back for that content. So it's like the constant, like back and forth between quality and and, uh, quantity, but also what are you truly passionate about? And that's going to drive what type of content you want to make. And I think that's like super valuable. And it's great to hear that you've been able to kind of navigate this in, in a way that's like good for you. And I don't think enough people who make content are able to say that as they're kind of going through the process and like struggling with the stuff. Cause it's very easy to fall off of it. it so I think it's cool that you kind of give yourself like, time frames to kind of make the content. I mean, obviously you're doing a lot of research that goes into yeah. it, which makes the quality go way up. Right. So I think that's really cool that you kind of allow that time, obviously with like your, your real life day to day stuff. Like you got to focus on like making your money so you could take right. that money and invest into yourself. Like we talked about off podcasts is like taking that real life stuff and then investing into what you want to do, investing to yourself. Cause that's going to pay pay you off way more than just your job because you're learning skills that are super valuable and you're gonna meet cool people along the way and once you're like continually doing that like for me i only see that you're going to be super successful like i like took two seconds to look at your channel and i was like i could just see just from like the thumbnail i'm like yeah this guy gets it like like i just like i could tell you when you see content you know and i was like you're super passionate about this and like you're, you're putting, especially a documentary, you have to put the time in. So like, I think, and that is super niche and that's not something that when I think of like bodybuilding or fitness, like I definitely couldn't name any people that I know that are like consistently doing that. So like, I think you've kind of hit a, hit a home run in that aspect and that side of the content. And I think with the trajectory of bodybuilding and how popular it's continuing to get, the channel is just going to keep growing. Like, so I I think you're going to be super successful. I appreciate it. I want to, um, Transition a little bit because I want to like wrap up because obviously yeah, we yeah, have the timestamp for us. Yeah. Um, kind of, I wanted you to talk about talk a little bit about like the Instagram and stuff too, and how okay, that yeah, kind of sure. translated. For sure. So remember how I said like after 2018, my show, I uh, 2019, sorry, I just dropped, fall, fell off, mm-hmm. completely fell off Instagram. I didn't want to make that mistake again. I'm like, all right, I don't want, I don't want to like have to be afraid to go on social media just because all of a sudden. I'm all I'm super self-conscious about myself. I'm like I had to come to a realization that I'm not like these traditional fitness influencers. Like that's just not who I am. And it's not who I want to be. It's not the content that I want to make. It's not consistent with me. I realized the key to really building a brand is through personality. Because there's going to come a point where I'm 40, I'm not going to look good as good as a 23-year-old, but I don't want that to inhibit me from actually being able to maintain my audience. So it's like, all right, what do I offer that's not a great physique or crazy strength? Because I'm in this weird in-between, right? For me to maintain a super shredded physique, it's, it's not sustainable for me. I, I can't, I like to eat. I like to enjoy life. It, it's just not conducive to me. It's great for some of these other guys because that's an easy way to blow up really quickly. But 
it wasn't me. But I'm also not ridiculously strong enough to gain a ton of attention from people. So what can I offer within the fitness niche on Instagram that like not everybody else is doing? Creativity. Humor. So I started incorporating more memes, more relatable stuff within fitness that people can see and they're not like gawking at a great physique or gawking at a number, but they're laughing. They're like, oh, I can really relate to this. This is funny. So I would find memes and incorporate it with some of my like Instagram videos. So I'll, uh, I think one of the ones that I um, that actually blew up was I was deadlifting and I was using hook grip. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of hook grip, but yeah, yeah. it's tough on the thumbs. So I was deadlifting and I was like, all right, your thumbs after hook grip. And I inserted like a, a video of Matt Ryan, like wiping blood off his <laughs> thumbs. And it blew up like 23,000 likes. And a bunch of powerlifters were in there like, this is funny. I like this. relatable. Love hook grip. Some people were like, what is hook grip? Did really well. And then another one I did was I was just at the gym just recording myself. And this dude came up to me and he was like, hey, do you want some plates? And I was like, no, I'm good. He was trying to give me some of his plates because he didn't want to put them back. I turned that into a, into a short, into a reel that also went viral. So that's stuff that made me super comfortable because I'm like, okay, this, this like relatable content within fitness that's for me like that's what makes me comfortable that's what i like this is content that i can consistently make it's sustainable for me the physique stuff is not because i'm not shredded year round the strength stuff is not because i'm not the strongest guy out there so what do i have to offer as a person that can actually get people's attention it's like my personality my humor and my creativity that i can actually put into some of the instagram stuff and that's been working so i've kind of like found the formula for both my issue is like can not spreading myself so thin and being consistent because if I'm my own editor, I'm my own, you know, audio person, um, setting, I'm doing everything myself. I'm at a point now where I need the help to help to really grow it the way I want it to grow. But so I've gotten over that hump. Now I'm trying to get over a completely different hump, but the way I see it is I'm still progressing regardless. Yeah. That's like the hardest thing to figure out is like the balance aspect. Like, I've come to like my own like realization with the podcast. Like I'm not like crazy with cameras or with the roadcaster still to this day. So like, and you got to realize how much time you really want to dedicate towards it. Like Mm -hmm. I still, I like to hike, I like to play football, I like to live my life and do other things. And you just, you have to figure out how to squeeze it in and what you want to do and like not spreading yourself thin, but also being consistent with it. Cause if you're not going to be consistent, you're going to stop. Right. Like that's like the hardest thing to do is consistently do something. And I will always give my flowers to people that can consistently create stuff. And you definitely deserve those flowers for consistently like doing things. And I definitely see you progressing and blowing up. Like honestly, just, just off the, the interaction we've had here and the conversation about what you do and why you do it and seeing how you've been able to build on top of each other throughout like your life. Like it, it just breeds success. So it's like, uh, that's what I see uh, for you and how, how things are going to keep going. Um, we are getting towards the end of the podcast. So I want to like start wrapping things up in yeah, time. Sure. Not, so I do have one more question for you. It's the yeah, question yeah. I ask everyone to wrap up the podcast. So what would your advice be for someone who wants to pursue their passion? Pursue your passion. Well, first you got to figure out what it is. Sit down, think about how you're going to get there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause a little bit of anxiety. It's going to be a little stressful. It's going to be a little overwhelming, but it's a necessary thing you have to do to actually start getting there. Figure out, what do I have to do? 
and just start with those micro steps, like I man- message er- um, mentioned earlier, just one step at a time. Every single day, think about, okay, what one thing did I do today that could help me pursue my passion or help me progress in pursuing my passion? What little thing? Did I look something up? Did I do some research? Did I save a tab on my phone? Like, what micro step did you take today to actually get to your goal? Perfect. I think that's great advice. And I appreciate if you're coming on the podcast and doing this. And like, I definitely would love to have you back in in the future and see how you're doing and see how you're growing with your channel and just your life in general. But I do appreciate you for taking the time out of your day. Thanks for having this. Uh, For you guys, if you guys like the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends, share with your family, share with your grandma. Check it out. The Carol connection.simplecast.com. Also available Apple podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. If you'd like to watch your podcast, go on YouTube, search the Carol connection or Jared M. Carol should pop up right for you. And again, if you want to be a guest or return as a guest, hit me up on Instagram at Jared M. Carol or at the Carol connection. So till next time, guys, peace.